The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in, the place, in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Life is full of comparisons. Comparisons between us and other people. Comparisons between us and strangers, between us and family, between us and co-workers, classmates and friends. The comparisons begin, of course, at an early age, but they really get solidified once we get to school. You get into a class, no matter how big or small, immediately you find yourself in competition from the earliest age with other people. You find yourself all being graded on the coursework that you do, and, of course, naturally, you start to figure out who the smart kids are and who the ones that struggle a little bit in school are. It only gets more so as you get older. Eventually, the comparison happens in college or on your way to college in high school, where class rank and GPA determine what schools you will get into, schools that you are completing, competing, if they are a good school, with other people to get that same spot. You compete with people to get scholarships, comparing yourself to them with the application. Comparisons happen in sports, of course, naturally, between two different teams playing a game against each other. It happens inside of the sports teams themselves, for the pecking order and the place of honor inside of the team for who gets to be the starting quarterback and who gets to be second string. Comparisons happen, of course, at our workplace. From before we even work there, the hiring process, generally, for most places, especially if it's a good position, is a competition between several people to get one spot. And how is that done? Well, you compare them. Compare the interviews. Compare the resume. And then once they're inside, the comparison continues to get the promotions to get the treats, to get exalted in the job above other people, well, the comparisons are what make that happen. Is so-and-so more qualified, more deserving than the other person? The underlying assumption of all of these comparisons that we live with and through is that life is just a big series of competition. 
competition with other people, who can come out on top? Who can be first or who can at least be in the first tier? We live in contrast with other people. And so, with that sort of as the understanding generally for how we live and relate to other people, I think it's easy to understand why a lot of folks start to assume that God operates the exact same way. That's the mistake of the Pharisees, isn't it? Theology aside, what they believed about God and who he was and what he does, they see, clearly see themselves in contrast to other people. That's implicit, of course, with what our gospel told us this evening about going to a feast, to a meal, and them caring so much about who sits where. Not just who's at the cool kids' table, like we care about in high school, but who has the seat of honor? Who is at the place at the meal where people will know that person right there, he is important? The Pharisees cared about the packing order just purely among human beings, with God out of the equation altogether. But on top of that, we know how they behave. The Lord speaks against it. They would parade around in the streets with their robes and their phylacteries, looking grand for all to see, offering prayers to be heard, unlike those other people that weren't so special and honored to be Pharisees and as good a Pharisees as they were. We know the story well about the Pharisee in the temple, who when he prays doesn't just pray about himself and his own needs, but prays in contrast and in comparison to the tax collector who stands nearby, not lifting up his eyes to heaven. The Pharisees think of themselves as they give great amounts of money in the temple, knowing that people see, and they offer from their heavy purse over and against poor widows who can only offer their two pennies. All of it, how the Pharisees live, it is an impressive show. Seats in life and places and meals are loaded with meaning. Some have honor, some don't. Of course, we've all been to the wedding reception where you happen to be, you know, in the front and center in front of the bride and groom's table, place of honor, and then maybe you're like me where a lot of times the pastor gets stuck over by the speakers by the DJ, which is not exactly a place of honor. We just know that's how it is, though. But no, also clothes, like they wore in the marketplace. It was a good show. They were majestic. The Pharisees put on their Sunday best every day of the week, as it were. And the things that they prayed for in their prayers, like the Pharisee in the temple, was praying for good things. But he wasn't an extortioner. Fasting is good, as we talked about when we preached on that Sunday before. And yes, giving copious amounts of money to the temple and the worship of God in Israel is a good thing. It's all great, even if not by comparison to other people who are doing it a little less so or not as fully or not as good. It is nice to see. But finally, in the end, that's just it. That's all it's got when things really matter and where they matter is just how these things look. Jesus said about the Pharisees, summing up really their whole lives of how they lived in public 
They do their deeds just to be seen by other people. All their praying, all their giving, any acts of charity insofar as they came, it was just when there was an audience around. But what are such things worth in the end? What do such shows of piety and generosity avail when all of the chips are down? We know from Ecclesiastes that God brings every deed into judgment. And Ezekiel tells us the soul that sins shall surely die. And Paul summarizes the Old Testament in Galatians 3 saying, Cursed are those who don't abide by all things that are written in the book of the law. In the familiar passage, I hope at least, for James chapter 2, is if you keep the whole law, but are guilty of breaking just one small part of it, you are accountable for the whole thing. Paul summarizes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Pharisees are those people included with all people. They too have sinned, but yet they live on the surface level, seeking surface praise, surface acknowledgement, and surface glories, which finally fade and go away, and that is the reward that they have. You see, no matter how we live and what we look like in life, as other people view us, as other people individually or as society sees us, we all have the same end. We all have the same judgment seat before God where he sees us as sinners. And no, absolutely not, God never, ever grades on a curve. With this in mind, we can see so clear, plainly, so clearly, the solution that our Lord teaches us in tonight's gospel lesson that there is only one way to live, one mentality, one frame for us to have as we live out the days of the life that the Lord has given us. And that is simply to take the low seat, to go to the foot of the table, to humble ourselves not just before other people, but to humble ourselves before Almighty God to confess, to use the language of theology, to confess what we are, sinners, lawbreakers, people unworthy of even the least honors that our God could ever bestow anyone. Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal salvation, and what's more, he came not for the honorable, not for righteous people, not for good people, but he came for sinners. He died on the cross to save not people who were good enough, not people who were better than others, but to save poor, miserable sinners such as we are. And that then is what we must be. That is what we must think of ourselves. That is how we must, in our attitude, in our demeanor, carry ourselves. Not as better than the neighbor next door, or our brother, or whoever it is, but as sinners who indeed have been given a mighty dose of grace by their merciful God. Yes, others may be worse than us in human terms. Others might be worse than us even by God's eternal law and the measures that go with that. But finally, others being worse doesn't avail for us before the throne on Judgment Day. What matters 
is do we have Jesus Christ, the crucified by faith? Is he our personal savior standing between us and God's wrath? Are we sinners who have been cleansed with his blood? That's the way, it is the only way to be humble, to be a sinner first, so that we might be cleansed with that blood. From being that sinner, we are then taking the low seat, the bottom seat as it were. And if we would be exalted, that is the seat from which God can and indeed will promise to exalt us and will at the last day. We can go before him based off of what we think our works are. We can go before him based off of how bad other people are, but it will not avail. He will tell us to take the low seat. But if we come to him and say, I, a poor, miserable sinner, plead nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ, he will say to us, and plead him you indeed may, and friend, sit higher. To the same Jesus Christ be all, gl all honor, glory, worship, and praise, now and forever. Amen.